Live from this is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me with freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Just End the Suffering Podcast. We should New York Sports Talk, a long suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips, here for our second episode of the week. We did the main guest earlier this week. I spoke to Baseball Digest editor Rick Cerrone about the MLB playoffs. They are underway as we speak. The Yankees won game one in Tampa. As of recording, they are down 3 1 in game two. We'll see how that goes. We are going to do the rest of the week's podcast activities today. We're going to do our NFL picks for week number five. We're going to be joined by Christopher, not the Mad Dog Russo. I talked to back in March when we were talking about Seton Hall basketball. We're going to do NFL picks today. We're also going to have a return to the podcast for our movie critic, John Stanko, the host of the Stanko Stance podcast, talk some movies. There has been a lot of news in the movie world of late, and we'll talk to John about all that, plus get some ideas on what he's been up to. But we'll get all started with this week's extra opening tip, where we're going to take a look at the NFL's COVID crisis right after this. Two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. All right, we are back here. Opening tip. Something that was going on during the last podcast did not have enough information to really comment on it at that point, but we're going to talk about it now as the NFL had its first major COVID outbreak. Last week, the Tennessee Titans have seen a total of 17 personnel test positive for the coronavirus. They are, looks like they're on track to get back to work on Wednesday when the podcast drops here. They had two days in a row, no positive tests for the coronavirus, but it forced a schedule change the NFL. Their bye week was moved up to week four. The Steelers also had their bye week moved up because that was who the Titans were supposed to play. That game got rescheduled for week seven. Steelers-Ravens pushed back to week eight. Baltimore's bye moves up a week. And we had some scares this week. We had Cam Newton test positive with the coronavirus on Friday. And that delayed the Chiefs-Patriots game until Monday. So they had a Monday night double hair for the second time this season. Though this one was not intentional. We had the Saints have a player test positive after flying to Detroit. Then they had to test again. Found out there was a false positive got bailed out here. The NFL is very, very lucky right now that this has only been a one-game problem. We are a month in. We've had a couple of players test positive. We had the one outbreak with Tennessee. You're hoping that this was an isolated incident. You're hoping the protocols are working because as of recording, again, we're knocking on the wood here to try and make sure we get through this season without any issues. We've still got 13 more weeks of the regular season to go. We have still... A lot of traveling, a lot of teams playing games, and there's not a lot of flexibility in here. And this is something that I was critical of the NFL back in April when they, back May, when they're getting the schedule ready about how they were going, oh, business as usual. There were a couple of mechanisms in there you could do to get rid of stuff, but they basically operate on the assumption that we're going to have a normal season. It's not a normal season, guys. It wasn't going to be. The virus still is not under control, and it's something you should have flexibility built in here. I think you should have looked at it and said, hey, 
we need to build a buffer in here in case we have to reschedule some of these games because we saw how many hoops they had to jump through to accommodate the Steelers and the Titans situation. Right now, there should be a week 18 built in the schedule here to allow for makeups. A week 19, potentially, if we need be. I think right now, you're playing with fire because you're having to constantly juggle the entire schedule. And the NFL needs to be better with this. We've seen too many times in these games where the coaches are pulling their masks down to yell at the players, and trust me, this is going to lead to a problem. We've seen the NFL get harmed. They've been fining heavily. They've been threatening losses of draft picks for not wearing the mask, which they should do because this is something the league needs to take seriously. If you want to get through a full season, and I get that it's impossible to ask these guys to bubble the regular season because that's a long time to be away from their families. Be away from family from Thanksgiving and Christmas is just things you would not have to do during the regular NFL season. I think they need to be more proactive here. Build that flexibility in. May you do what MLB does, and towards the end of the season, you have the teams in contention sort of tighten up their circles a little bit between Thursday and Sunday, between game day. The problem you have here is that life goes on, and these players are home with their families, but but at the same time, you still have kids going to school, you have spouses going to work. The player could be doing everything right and still manage to contract the virus of somebody who lives in their household. That's a huge problem you could be dealing with right now in the NFL. I think the NFL obviously has to look very serious at what's going on here, figure out what went wrong and why, and make adjustments on the fly. MLB did that, and we did a pretty good job getting through the rest of the regular season. The NFL also needs to think strongly about a playoff bubble because the NFL expanded its postseason. I think you need to strongly look into bubbling these teams up, whether it's you know just doing the hotels and the home season flying in or putting them all in like certain hubs to host these games. But I think you have to be smart with this. You have to be ready to go. You cannot be running this risk of this situation going on here and having the playoffs shorten. You can't have it happen. It just can't. But one thing we've learned here, we've seen with the juggling, the NFL is not stopping for anything. There is too much money on the line here. They will redo the schedule on the fly. They'll take a week off if they need to. They are not going to stop the season unless they absolutely have to. I guess the point where half the league is sidelined with the buyers is not going to happen because too many teams are going to see the situation with Tennessee as a wake-up call, rightly, and say, hey, let's be smart, guys. We have our issues here. We need to get the act cleaned up here and make sure we're fine going forward. That's the latest on the NFL for now. So far, so good. But we'll do our NFL picks up next with Chris Russo right after this. Show me the money. All right, show me the monies here. NFL picks for week number five. Joining me today, somebody new to the NFL picks, but not new to the podcast, who I spoke to him back in March on the last pre-pandemic episode of the podcast. We were talking about Seton Hall basketball. The great Chris, not the Mad Dog Russo, is here. Chris, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Mike. And once again, I have to say, the pandemic has not changed the fact that there is so such good pop culture production value on this show. Yeah, and speaking of pop culture, I mean, the pop culture has gone up in spades since you were on the podcast. We basically made a weekly recurrence because of the pandemic. Yeah, that was, uh, it's been madness. And it's a, it's a real shame because uh, we had a great opportunity uh, to call some games with Seton Hall. But I think the fact that we even muscled along and are getting back to some sense of normalcy, even with sports, is uh, just a blessing. 
Yeah, indeed. And I mean, we're, I know this is not the college basketball spot, but I mean, we're, I think you got to be excited that we're getting college basketball back in the end of November. I think it's going to be nice because after the baseball wraps up at the end of this month, there's going to be like stretches of the week where there's no sports on apart from football. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, first off, you're going to have three days and really only parts of Thursday and Monday where you have football. It's going to be a little difficult trying to manage college basketball. I'm amazed that they even got college football to somehow work. And even then, that's still kind of a mess. But it is going to be very nice to have college basketball back. And, you know, I said it's Seton Hall grad. Seton Hall's promising, but it should be overall an outstanding college basketball season so long as we can keep people safe. Yeah, absolutely. And I trust that this is going to be better organized than college football, whereas wherever it's sort of like a free-for-all where ACC does this, Big Ten does this, they change their mind later. But this needs to be like a national plan for like what the standards are for college basketball. I think that does make things easier. Yeah, certainly. All right, let's go to the NFL. Obviously, they had their own COVID issues. We got to talk about the top of the show with the Tennessee situation where they had to get the game postponed, get the buy switched around, and we had the scare of New England. So what's your thoughts on the COVID situation with the NFL? How do you think they're handling it? Well, you know what? I thought that the NFL was bound to receive positive COVID tests this year because they're not using bubbles. I understand that's tougher to do over a 16-week schedule, whereas in hockey and in basketball, it was just kind of the immediacy uh, where you only had to fill out the rest of the season. Um, whereas NFL, you have to start from scratch. MLB, they went to a postseason bubble. Uh, you know what? Football is a, not to mention football is a contact sport, and the fact they went so long without a positive COVID test was either a lie or a miracle. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I think the NFL is going to have to be even more careful when it comes to players returning, as opposed to other personnel. Sean Payton, for example, because of the on-field contact. But, you know, I think the, maybe the most frustrating part of this whole process is going to be trying to reschedule all these games. Because baseball, you play 162 games a year, or you played 60 this year, it's a lot easier to schedule it. But each game for the NFL is so precious when you only play 16 in a season. So you really have to wonder if the NFL is actually going to even consider bypassing games um, if uh, if the games are unnecessary, like the MLB would, so if it if it doesn't make a difference in terms of draft order or playoff spots, could, could the NFL just skip games? Yeah, so then I thought at the top of the show, I said, you know, maybe the NFL should have put in like a week eighteen to allow themselves more time for like give themselves options to reschedule games. And then again, you run into the problem of like, okay, what if you don't need week only like two teams need week eighteen? Then you're gonna have to punish the top seed, giving them basically three weeks off between the end of the season and the playoffs. Yeah, but you know what the funny thing about that is you know, people have been saying for years we should get a couple more weeks or maybe one more week so everybody gets off for the Monday after the Super Bowl because it's, pres- because it's uh, President's Week. But it's going to be you – might, you might actually get that happen. But the thing is people might not be going into work in February anyway. We really don't know. Yeah, we definitely don't know. And – one thing's for sure, the New York teams will not be there when this having this problem in February with the football because I talked about this last week. I know you're a big New York football guy, but this is probably the ugliest it's been in a long time. Well, considering they were both this bad, yeah. I, you know what? I think they both have some promise. Um, and obviously, 0-4, well, mathematically speaking, they're not done yet, but it's not pretty. Odds are very high that, they, that neither of those teams will be in the Super Bowl in February. 
but you know what? The Giants and the Jets have just been a disappointment for New York. You figure they'd be able to at least win one game out of those first eight. The, the crazy thing is the Chiefs on the strangest Monday night football you'll ever see, which is not technically Monday night football because of copyright issues, I guess. Uh, the Chiefs became 4-0 and became somehow the first team to go 4-0 in four consecutive years. Giants and the Jets, the entire New York sports team, well, unless you count Buffalo, the entire New York uh, football scene has no win for four weeks. Yeah, it's not pretty for sure. The Giants, I have a little bit more hope because they're in the NFL's like worst division ever, so like, I might, they're still somehow only a game out of first place despite their 0-4 start, but... Started with the Jets because the Jets played on Thursday in Denver. I did an instant reaction to that on my blog last week, and it just got us to show you. I mean, like, it just feels like there's nothing there because the coach is bad. The quarterback is running for his life. He's hurt now. They have so many injuries. Like, as a Jet fan, like, I just don't know what I had to look forward to this year. Well, you know, the funny thing is with the Giants, they have, I think the Giants have a very underrated defense. And the truth is, if not for, maybe one bad Jones turnover in each of those games, they could actually be 3-1, if not 4-0, because he had a couple of, it was a pick against the Steelers, the one pick against the Niners before the half, and then the pick at the end of the Rams game. So the Giants actually have a very strong defense, but the Jets, the Jets has been really, it's been really tough to watch if you're a Jets fan. You know what, that offensive line has struggled, and the fact they, the fact that Donald not only went down but there was no call on that play. I, I was surprised there was no roughing the passer call on that play. Yeah, I just say, like, as far as that play goes, I mean, I think it's just the lack of respect the league has to the Jets right now. I mean, if somebody did that to Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, that guy might get thrown out of the game, let alone get a 15-yard penalty for unnecessary roughness. Yeah, well, the sad thing is, well, the NFL really should be throwing more guys out of games anyway, considering college football actually does that. But for some reason, they haven't adapted uh, for that type of player safety. But you know what? Yeah, I don't know why. The officiating in general I thought was pretty poor in that game. But the fact that the Jets allowed 37 points to Brett Ripon, who I'm sure is a fine young quarterback, and he's probably a lot better than I am. Uh, but, you know, it was still his first, I think it was his first game. And uh, the fact that they gave up 37 points is ridiculous. Though I will give them credit for putting up 28 without Darnold for most of that game. And, and you know what? That touchdown run was maybe the highlight of the year for the Jets. Uh, that was touchdown run by Darnold, and I think that shows that he is not the problem. That the offensive line and, and the potentially and or Gase is the problem. Yeah, well, Darnold's not exactly lighting up the stage by himself. He's still making mistakes that are bad. The Jets, I think we know they're going probably one in fifteen, two and fourteen. They go up in line for the top pick. The Giants this week they did look much more like productive against the Rams. They were in that game a long time. They were down ten nine in the fourth quarter. Where Cooper Cup breaks the touchdown and make it wide open. I will say, you're right about the Daniel Jones turnover thing because I remember that game against the Steelers and they were driving down. He throws the pick in the red zone the whole game turn. He has the big costly fumble late. He had a big turnover against the Bears. Like, I feel like the Giants, if Daniel Jones can get the turnovers under control, I feel like they have a chance to win a couple here because the defense has been competitive for the most part. Well, you know what? With the Cowboy game, they might have a shot on Sunday. Because before the Cowboys have underperformed, and I've said I don't think that defense is as good as people say. They lost some guys. The secondary is weak. And they've just been inconsistent, despite Dak Prescott's solid play. Uh, but, you know, I was thinking about I was watching that Giants-Steelers game, and I remember looking at that drive, and until they got 
until he threw that pick, I was thinking, wow, they brought in Joe Judge. They brought in a Belichick guy, a part, a part of the Parcells tree. This is really old Giants football, smash mouth football. You hold the ball. They held the ball, I think, for eight minutes on that drive, uh, a few, a couple of yards of play, and it looked like old time Giants. It looked, it, or Coughlin as well. It looked like something like that. And then he throws the pick, and it turns the whole thing around. That turned the whole game. The Giants could have, not to say that the Giants really deserve to be three and one, but especially on the offense. But uh, they, they, they blew a couple. Of, Jones blew a couple of opportunities there. Yeah. So let's go to the million dollar question here, because obviously they're both winless. Who do you think gets the win first here, the Giants or the Jets? I am going to say the Giants because. Next week they play Washington. I don't think the Giants are gonna. I don't think the Giants are gonna beat Dallas. Although I think they have a, I think they have a fair chance considering how bad the division is, how strong their defense has been, and how weak the Cowboy defense has been. I but I say the Giants because Giants play Washington next week. I know Washington had that stunning Week One win over the Eagles. I take the Giants in that game. Meanwhile, the Jets have to face Kyler Murray. And a guy that I think is actually going to be the quarterback of the future in Justin Herbert for the Chargers. I think the Jets lose both of those games. I think the Giants are the first team to get a win. I agree with you right there. I think next week in watching it is the Giants' spot to get a win. At, I think they have an outside shot meeting Dallas, depending on how the Dallas defense plays that game. The Jets, I don't think they have a shot at a win until Miami. I think we not, they played them sandwich around the bye, those two games. If the win's not there, I don't know when it is. Well, you know what the funny thing out of all of that? I think Miami is really underrated. Because I've, I've loved uh, the way Ryan Fitzpatrick plays for a long time. And I don't think that game last year against the Patriots was a fluke in Week 17. I think Brian Flores really is one of a couple of guys along with Mike Vrabel that finally learned how to be a good head coach to come out of Belichick's shadow. That's a team with really strong fundamentals and a team that, depending on how they transition to Tua Tagovailoa once he becomes the starting quarterback, assuming he becomes the starting quarterback, that team, I think, is going to be pretty dangerous to the AFC East and should be a challenger to Buffalo and somewhat New England. Yeah, well, let's take a quick look at the games that are coming up here. You mentioned the Giants-Cowboys. I think the key to that game, in my opinion, is is just like how the Giants manage to move the ball against that Dallas defense because Dallas's offense is great. They'll score points against anybody. So if the Giants are able to keep, keep the ball, move the ball down, score some touchdowns, I think they could keep this close. Yeah, well, you know, I think the most important – statistic for any football game besides the score is time of possession and the Giants had that for a second there as I mentioned with that drive against the Steelers the Giants Niners game the defense really collapsed despite having facing Nick Mullins who's an adequate quarterback but he's not Garoppolo they stumbled in that game because the Niners had the ball for so long and the Giants could not hold possession the Rams game I believe the Giants actually outpossessed the Rams but the problem is they, they just couldn't get the ball into the end zone. So if the Giants can hold on to the football for a long time and just limit the turnovers, they've got a shot. But yeah, Dallas is probably going to win that game. Yeah, the Jets, Cardinals, the Cardinals are coming off two straight losses, flying out east again to losing to Carolina this week. The things that concern me for the Jets is obviously Sandor might not play this game. He's coming off the shoulder injury. He, he finished Denver the Denver game out, but came in sore the next day. Joe Flacco is a statue in the pocket as the backup, so that's not going to be great. And the Jets, the thing that's underrated about this game is that their linebackers and safety are so bad in coverage that like they don't really have the speed to contain Kyle Murray if he breaks the pocket because the way to beat them is to keep him in the pocket and make him throw right now, and I don't think they can do that. Uh, you know, Cardinals are 
almost certainly going to win this game, but the Jets might have a chance if they can run the ball effectively because God knows they cannot pass block for anything. The Giants at least improved somewhat in terms of uh, in terms of pass blocking, but they can't run block for anything. The Jets can't pass block, but we'll see if they can run block for, I guess it's Frank Gore. I don't know. I, Frank Gore, who God bless him, is still going in this league. Uh, but yeah, odds are Arizona's going to blow out this one. Yeah, Frank Gore is the running back right now. Le'Veon Bell's Els will come off the IR this week. We'll see if he's ready to go. But let's get to the picks for the week, which is the reason you're here. My good buddy, Will Smith, not the actor or the baseball player, was on the podcast last week for Teen Challengers. He went 1-2 and two on the week. He had the Cowboys laying 4.5 points against the Browns. That turned disastrous. Cleveland put up almost 50. He had the Saints laying 4.5 in, in Detroit. He won that one. He had the Falcons last night getting seven points against the Packers. That did not go well. So one and two on the week for Will's picks. I, on the other hand, I had a better week. I went two and one. I laid the three with the Broncos against the Jets. They blew the Bron- they blew them out at the end of the game there. I had the Seahawks laying six and a half in Miami. They it was a game a tighter than expected. They won by nine. And I had the Bears plus two and a half against the Colts. That one was not pretty because Nick Foles not into the ball. And I did not know the Colt defense was that good. Well, I, you know, the Colts are an underrated team, I think. Quentin Nelson is really solid at guard, but that's, that's a team that's really developed defensively. And it's a good, sound, fundamental football team. That can, I mean, Houston's choked. Uh, Jacksonville, we don't really know what Jacksonville is. It's going to be Indianapolis that might give Tennessee a run for their money in that division. So. Yep, to reset the, the standings on the year, Team Challengers is 9-3. and three. I'm 10 and 2, so it's a tight race going into week number 5. We're going to make our picks right now. Chris, you're up first with your first pick of the week. Where are you going? I am going with the Houston Texans, favored by 6 over the Jacksonville Jaguars. It is the first game since Bill O'Brien's long awaited firing. So this team will finally be fired up and finally freed from his restraints. <laughs> I am taking the Texans over over the Jaguars in that one. Yeah, it's a very interesting matchup, that game, because this is a game where you look at the number and you're like, the Texans shouldn't be favored by this much, but I think Bill O getting fired does change things a bit. Maybe they play a little looser, a little freer. The Jags are competitive. They can be in this game, but you know what? The Bill O factor does change. I do like that pick, Chris. Where are you going with your next one? I am going to take a stunning upset. I am taking the aforementioned Miami Dolphins over the San Francisco 49ers, who are favored by eight points. Last week, the Niners choked against an Eagles team that is probably actually worse than the Dolphins are. Fitzpatrick still has the stuff to win some games, and with floors at the helm, I've said it before, I'm going to say these words again, the Dolphins are a fundamentally sound team. I take the Dolphins over the Niners. Interesting pick there, because the number is big, and the question with that game is, like, if Jimmy Garoppolo is back, because if Garoppolo is back, I'd like the Niners to win that game, but... The number's big at eight. The Dolphins are a feisty team. I know they're traveling out there, but I could see the logic on I could see that pick making sense. Let's go to your third pick of the week. Where are you going? Third and final pick, I'm going with the Indianapolis Colts favored by two and a half over the Cleveland Browns. So we mentioned that the Colts either proved themselves or really proved the Bears are worse than their previously unbeaten record set. I said the Bears were a, a team that uh, was probably the worst undefeated team in the league. They finally lost. We're going to see if the Colts can prove it. It proved that that win was legit. The Browns might get a little cocky after beating a Dallas team that doesn't have 
as strong a defense as people say. I am taking the Colts over the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, that game's a lot of fun. I think it's one of the underrated games of the week. I'm, I'm going to try and make a point to watch it if I can get get onto the red zone quick enough. I do think it's one I'm going to stay away from because the number is very tight. But I think if you like the winner there, that's the way to go. And I, and I think it's a good job with the Colts there. I'm going to be up right now. My three picks for the week. Pick number one. I'm going to the biggest number on the board here. I'm going to take the Ravens laying 13 and a half points at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. I know Joe Burrow has looked great the first couple of weeks of the season, but Cincinnati is still not a good football team. Their defense still gives up a ton of points. They get gassed on the ground, which is not good for a Raven team that likes to run the football. It's a game team Lamar Jackson had five touchdowns against in two games last year. I think it's a good game with the Ravens. You saw last week, didn't even have to do that much, and they beat up Washington pretty badly. I think they're going to blow the, the Bengals out here. 14 is a big number here, but... Let me the Ravens laying 13 and a half points to blow out the Bengals pick one. Well, the Ravens also are still trying to prove something after that huge loss to the Chiefs that just blew them out of the water. So, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you on that one. All right, that's pick number one. Pick number two, I'm going to be doing this every week because I do not trust the Jets. I'm taking the Cardinals laying the seven points on the, on the road against the Jets. This is a team where Adam Gase consistently finds ways to get blown out as the head coach. The Jets might not have Darnold in this game. Joe Flacco could be starting, but I don't think it's going to help them that much. They could get some guys back, but as I mentioned before, they don't have the personnel to cover Arizona defensively. The secondary will have issues covering all those receivers. Kyler Murray will make a ton of big plays. If the Cardinals win by at least 10 points, I'm going to lay the 7 with the Cardinals pick 2. Yeah, 7 is probably the bare minimum, bare minimum in this one. The the Cardinals, I think they're going to do to the Jets what the Jets did to the Cardinals when they came to the Meadowlands back in 2008. You know, the difference is uh, the Jets might not score any points. Cardinals put up, I think, 35 in that game. Jets might not score at all. I think this, they'll score some points because Arizona's defense is not great. I'm predicting something like a tur- like a 28-10 to 10 loss for the Jets. That's my prediction. That's fair. All right, last pick of the week. I'm going with an underdog. I'm going to Monday Night Football. I'm taking the Chargers, getting seven and a half points in New Orleans against the Saints. And the Saints defense is the reason why I'm making this pick because Justin Herbert has looked good. I know having Austin Eckler out this game will hurt, but the thing that the Saints scared me is I like that team going into the year. I know I picked to go to the Super Bowl this year and probably win it, but the thing is their defense has been so underwhelming that they cannot close opponents out. Last week they had that big rally against the Lions that they fell down early. They let the Lions come back into that game. They only won by six. I'm getting a half-point hook here, so the Saints could still win by a touchdown. I could still cover the number. I think they can do that. So I'm going to take the Chargers. But getting the seven and a half points, pick number three this week. That's a fair That's a fair point. That being said, I, I would still say the Saints would win that game because I think Breeze finally rebounded in that Lions game despite that lone lead break. Yeah, he did rebound. They might get Michael Thomas back this week, which would be huge, but I just don't trust their defense. I could see this being a situation where they're, you know, where they're up 10 late, Chargers are going down the field, get the touchdown, get down three, and then they don't get the onside kick and lose. That's That way I still cover the number. All right. All right, to reset the picks for this week, Chris has gone with the Miami Dolphins getting eight points in San Francisco against the 49ers. The Indianapolis Colts laying two and a half points on the road against the Cleveland Browns. And the newly Bill O'Brienless Texans laying six at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm taking the Ravens laying 13 and a half at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Arizona Cardinals laying seven at home against the New York Jets. And the Los Angeles Chargers on Monday night laying, getting seven and a half, excuse me, points in New Orleans against the Saints. And those are your picks for week number 
five here on the podcast. Next week, I'm going to be joined by another Giants fan, the great Phil Lombardo, who's been on the podcast many times before. And we will see if we are going to be talking about a Giant victory next week. I'm not sure about that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Dallas, that's going to be that's going to be a tough game. I think they'll make it close. But, no, I would uh, lump as an unbiased, uh, speaking objectively, yeah, speaking as an unbiased observer, yeah, I'd, I'd take Dallas in that game. They got a good shot against Washington, though. Yeah, I think the Giants. The number I didn't we didn't take, we didn't pick it this week. That's the Giants are nine and a half point underdogs as a recording. I think they could cover the number. I think this could be a game they lose by a touchdown, but I still think Dallas wins the game. Yeah, I think nine and a half is a little unfair since the Giants lost by eight to a Rams team that beat the Cowboys earlier this year. Granted, on a pass interference call that was questioned, but uh, a Rams team that did beat Dallas, and Dallas has gone downhill since then. Yeah, and Dallas's defense is why I don't like that number because Dallas has given up, I think, the last three weeks, like 34, 36, and 49 points the last three weeks, which is a bit which is a bit absurd. Yeah, it's, it's been a massacre for the Cowboys. All right, Chris, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, how can people follow social media and keep up with some of the stuff you're up to? Yeah, so you can get me on uh, Twitter at Chris Russo, C-H-R-I-S-R-U-S-S-O, 98. All right, Chris, sounds good. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Mike, it's been a great pleasure again. All right, that was Chris Russo doing your Week 5 NFL picks. Up next, I'm going to talk a little movies with our resident movie critic on the podcast, John Stanko, right after this. All right, folks, Mike Phillips here. Before we get to our conversation with John Stank, I want to point out two things because this is recorded on Sunday, October 4th. Four couple of news items broke. Number one, we talked about some coaches in here. We mentioned Bill O'Brien of the Texans. He was fired on Monday, so the day after we recorded, he got fired. So we talked about him here as somebody who could get fired, but he actually has been. And number two, we talked about the movie Dune from WB, from Paramount, like pictures, like, John mentioned something he wants to see. Since the time the podcast has been recorded, it has been delayed until October of 2021. So, I want to put that out there, be up to date with the information. But without any further ado, sit back and enjoy our conversation with John Stanko. We are back here on the podcast, second episode of the week. We are talking pop culture with our resident movie critic, the great John Stanko. It's been a while since you've been on here, John. I'm glad to talk to you again. Mike, it's been a minute. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe. Thanks for having me. Yes, everything's everything's going good here. My football team stinks. My baseball team made the playoffs. But other than that, I'm healthy. That's important. I mean, you expected the football team to stink. Let's be real. Yes, I did. I did not expect them to be this bad, but I expected them to be terrible. No, I didn't expect him to be the bottom feeder in the NFL. But, I mean, look, you're keeping your head coach. You love that consistency, right? You love that. He's he's getting into Trevor Lawrence. That's what's going to end up happening out of this. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to stay another year at Clemson. I don't think so. I think he's he knows he's getting that big contract. <laughs> and he knows that Adam Gates will be gone. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the most surefire thing at this point, on whether it be now only during the season or whether it be after the fact. Yeah, I mean, that's so funny. I was looking on Twitter the other day. I think I forget who said it first. Dan Orlovsky mentioned it today on recording on Sun on Football Sunday after the end of the four o'clock games, which John's Patriots are not playing in. As of recording, they're playing tomorrow. We'll see if that actually does happen. But I, mm-hmm. 
he pointed out on Twitter, he's like, what is worse, the Jets refusing to run motion on their offense or the Lions only playing man when they can't cover? <laughs> Listen, you combine uh, Matt Patricia and Adam Gates, maybe you have a solid head coach. But right now, they're probably the two uh, top leaders for coaches to get let go in the NFL. I would say Dan Quinn and Bill O'Brien are up there, too. But I'd say Adam Gase and, and Patricia are the front runners. I, I don't think... I, I know everyone wants to fire Dan Quinn, but the thing is, like, his teams are in the games. They're not, like, embarrassing themselves to the fact that they're not even competitive. It's, like, it's the little things with him. Now, I get it that eventually you need to cut the tie, but I wouldn't put him in terms of being a worse coach than, worse head coach than Matt Patricia or Adam Gase at this point. No, Adam Gase is 32, Matt Patricia is 31, depending on what order you want to put them in. Yeah, I would agree. And Bill O'Brien, I mean, I think you fire him as a GM, but I think as a football coach, he's okay, but every movie he's made in terms of a GM and trying to situate his team for a, a winning run uh, hasn't worked. Yeah, Bill O'Brien, good regular season coach, bad playoff coach. That's, that's accurate. Yeah. I mean, all we have to do is look back at that Chief game last year when they went for the fake punt on fourth and two, and then they all collapsed after that. How often does a fake punt really work in terms of the favor? I, I don't know if the fake punt ever works. I remember the last Jet playoff win against your Patriots. Bill Belichick ran one in, inside his own 28. It turned the momentum of the whole game. I mean, it's very well true. And I believe, if I recall, the Cowboys did it earlier this year. They ran two in one game. Yeah, Mike McCarthy's not very popular down there. No, and he didn't get either. No, nah, he did not. But enough with the football talk here. It's also getting me depressed knowing that there's good teams going out there and mine isn't them. So let's go to the movies for a little bit and... I have to ask you, as the movie guy, the movie theaters are struggling. Have you actually gone into a theater since they've reopened? Because I know you live in Connecticut now. Uh, no, I haven't, Mike, uh, because there's still no theaters near me that are open. Uh, literally, the furthest drive I have to a movie theater is like an hour. Um, and I'm, I really I can't dedicate a whole entire day to going to see a movie and then driving back. And I'll be honest, I don't necessarily trust going to the movie theater at this point. Um so if I'm going to a movie theater, I'm going to eat popcorn, I'm going to eat snacks, my mask is going to be off, and other people's are too. So, um, no, I haven't, and I filled the void by watching a lot of HBO Max and filling up some new TV shows that I got started with. So, I, I haven't been back, I really want to, but I, I don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm right there with you in terms of, like, I just, like, obviously I'm in New York, and they're still not open here, but, like, I could drive to Connecticut if I wanted to. The thing is, it's sort of like, with the sport, with the football games, and they had the fans there, like, sure, you can make a mask requirement to wear a mask and you can walk inside it, but, like, how do I know that the people around you are not actually keeping their masks on in the theater? Nobody can actually, like, keep an eye on them. No, they can't. And, I, I mean, the only movie in theaters that was released was really that I wanted to see is Tenet. Um, and I think we're going to talk about Tenet in a bit, but I don't think it was the knockout success that no one and that the movie industry wanted in terms of uh, driving people and word of mouth to get into a movie theater. So I, besides that, I really had no desire to go to the box office either. Yeah, because there really is like nothing out there. I mean, Tenet came out. We could, might as well go there first because Tenet came out. Christopher Nolan was big. It's got to be in the theaters. You have to watch it in the theaters. It's the big theater experience. They had this whole thing where we refused to let it go to drive-ins in states where theaters are not open. So, And it started out pretty good. I mean, it got $20 million the first weekend. You're like, okay, this might be going. But it's done pretty much nothing since. And... I don't know if it's talking about the movie or if it's just the, the state of the country with the fear of the COVID. Like, what do you think about the fact that Tenet has done so badly here in the box office, where overseas hasn't done pretty has done pretty well? I, I think it's I think it's a combination of things. I think uh, based off the reviews I've read and seen, and the word of mouth I've heard is that Tenet is good. 
it's not great. It's not one of Nolan's upper echelon movies, so there's not the rush to go there. Um, I also think it's tougher. It's tougher word of mouth to spread when not as many faces are in front of the movie that that's on the screen. Like, and part of like the success of Nolan movies is talking about the big twist and talking about how it looks, and like the Batman talking about the Joker when it happened. Is that word of mouth? that really generate people to go to the movie theater. But without as many people in the, in the theaters themselves, you don't have many reliable people that you can trust that you need to go see this in theaters. Yeah, that's for sure. And I mean, like, you look at what happened there. I think I also read an article online today. I forget the source of it, but they made a good point. They're like, you know, when you go to a movie, like, you really want to be, like, entertained and have fun. And, like, this is also a very, very deep time travel-y movie. And, like, that's a lot of, like, mind, mind power you're putting in there. And your mind is sort of already, like, Am I safe in here? Am I not going to get coronavirus just by showing us in the movie theater? You're not really in the mood for a deep Christopher Nolan mind thriller. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. I mean, if you want to shut your brain off, it's not necessarily the movie to do that. No Christopher Nolan movie is ever that way. Um, now, with that being said, I wish there were more movies made where it actually made you engage your brain, and Nolan is one of those directors, and if I was near a theater to go see it, I would. If I could buy out the theater, maybe I would do that. But I'm not surprised it's trouble at the box office. I think movie theaters are really in trouble, and I think as much as Christopher Nolan wants to be a tenant or a tent pole for the traditional movie theater business, his, his, his latest motion picture wasn't able to get it done. Yeah, it definitely wasn't. Mulan also skipped the movie theaters entirely in the U.S. They went to Disney Plus. They think they have, they're they're there until November, and then they have a month off, and they go on the, the service. And then there, I think from what I've heard, they've done okay, but it's bombed overseas, and I, that can't be good either. No, but I let's be. I mean, there's a lot of controversy here. This be when it was when it started coming out, and let's be honest, Disney needed this movie to be a hit in China, right? It needed it to be in order for it to get its money back, especially without movie theaters being open in the U.S. And there was a ton of controversy around this movie in terms of where it was being filmed. There were scenes filmed where in areas of Jay I believe, where widespread uh, uh, rights abuses to Muslims in the population were documented, but China allowed them to film there anyway, and Disney like took it. You had the star of the movie speaking on behalf of the government and against the democracy protests in Hong Kong. So you had the, the Chinese population that's kind of revolting against the government who doesn't like the government didn't like the publicity around this movie already. And then you get to the fact that the movie wasn't necessarily greatly reviewed, whether it be in China or in the U.S. It was kind of a, a tornado of destruction for Disney in terms of profitability because they needed Disney to be, they needed China to be behind this movie and it sounds like the majority of the population was not. Yeah, that's for sure. And I think those two things sort of scare off a lot of the big ten poles that were supposed to be out the rest of the year. I'll start off with, in, in terms of chronology, Black Widow was backed out of 2020 entirely. They're back to 2021. So think about this. This is weird. It's the first time since 2009 there's no MCU movie in a theater for an entire calendar year, which I think... As a whole, if you're a Marvel fan, I think it's good because I think after the Endgame kick, I think it's good to have the whole sort of refresh mentally because I think it gives you a little bit of time to process that and get ready for the next thing that's coming as opposed to like being rushed into like another four movies. Yeah, I really, I'm curious if this, if this will expediate the comic book uh, tiredness because of just the large gap. People will like forget about the excitement of it or if it will act like a, like a hunger because people haven't had it for so long, it's like they haven't had their comic book snacks, so now they're going to just gorge on a full meal in 2021 when a ton of the different comic book movies come out. 
I think it's going to be more the latter because right now, like you said before, people want to shut their brains off and comic book movies are perfect for that. So I I think it's going to really make people excited again. While I'm not necessarily the most hyped about it, uh, whether it be Marvel, DC, or whatever, uh, I do think that in the long run it's going to really elongate the interest in these type of movies. Yeah, I think it's going to be a help in all. I I mean, there's four of them supposed to come out next year as they try and get back on their calendar. I think they had... Black Widow, I think Eternal, Shang-Chi are coming out. Spider-Man 3, the last one of the Tom Holland trilogy, was to come out at the end of 2021. Some news broke on that, that Jamie Foxx is going to be back as Electro, and oh boy, I'm not thrilled about that after his performance in that role in Amazing Spider-Man 2. No, I don't give a flying crap about Electro or Jamie Foxx or his character. That is not a good movie. He's not a good bad guy. He's not a good character. I, I don't get this. I think they're doing it for the name of Jamie Foxx, which is fine. It'll get people in the seats um, as long as they're allowed to go into the seats movie theaters. And Jimmy Fox is a capable actor. He's acted in a lot of really good movies, but I wish he'd do more Django Unchained rather than uh, Electro. So, I I don't know. I also anticipate this movie getting pushed back to 2022 because as much as people are going to love comic book movies, I think the Marvel industry and the, its enterprise will realize, hey, we can't really overload it, if you will. Let's kind of space this out. And they might make that uh, a March or April 2022 venture. But I'm not I'm not excited about this movie. I, or, or him being in this movie, I should say. I, I just made me less interested. All right. Now here's my counter to you. There's a theory I've seen floating around on the internet. So I don't know what you think about this. Obviously, he, we know he's in a different Spider-Man universe. And we know that Marvel's starting to play with the multiverse. As we know, Doctor Strange could be in a multiverse of madness, that movie. What if this is somehow a live-action version of Into the Spider-Verse, which you, which you have said is the best Spider-Man movie ever made? Uh, why? Why? Why Why? do you need a live-action version? Let the animated version live by itself. It's the best It's the best comic movie to come out in years. Why do we need to ruin it with a live-action version? Because Marvel sees the reception there and says, ka-ching, 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 where you can also get the Garfield audience and the Tobey Maguire audience in, too. I don't... I, I really hope they don't do that. I mean, I haven't seen that rumor. Um, I mean, the, the multiverse is going to happen. I'm really curious about how Marvel is going to make it work. Um, I, but I, I hope that's not the case because I, I, I don't think Electro is the uh, is really the magnetic pull of him being the fulcrum for the multiverse and being like, oh, look, he's in two different movie universes. I don't think fans are going to be clamoring for Jamie Foxx to be that guy. Yeah, you could make that point. I also think the multiverse, I think it's something they want to open because that gives them the right of like, hey, if we ever want to have Robert Downey Jr. again, we just pull Tony Stark out of another universe and we have Tony Stark back in movies. I think that's just something they want to open. Yeah, and I I think you're seeing that also with uh, the new TV show WandaVision coming out, the new preview came out at the Emmys and the different versions of the different characters and the different environments are going to be able to make money off that, play off that. So it's going to happen. Um, but again, I hope they don't bring back the temple characters. And I hope they keep expanding into the new stuff. And the one thing about the multiverse, Mike, that I will admit to being very excited about is if it connects somehow to a new revigorated X-Men. If that's the case, I'm all for it. And I love it because I love the X-Men more than, more than the Marvel superheroes. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think the X-Men are going to wait another three years, four years before they even attempt to kind of restart that yeah, I agree with you there. Fantastic Four will be back first. I'm convinced of that. And I do think the WandaVision will intrigue. That's the only Marvel product we're getting this year. It's going to be on Disney Plus, I think, in December. So I'm intrigued to see how that plays. Yeah, and I think also with Black Widow being delayed, 
they had to delay uh, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier because I think that show connects to Black Widow um, from what I read on the internet. So I'm not sure that if Marvel wanted WandaVision to be the first show coming out on Disney+, Plus, but from people I've talked to and me personally, that's the show that I'm least interested in of the ones that are coming to Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I think that one is also production issues they had with COVID. They couldn't finish filming it on time either. So I think they had to go back and go back to Europe and finish filming it. So I think that's why they also had to delay it. The COVID has delayed a lot of things, but I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with it. Uh, but I, I think we both agree that Marvel, in the long run, is going to benefit from this shortlist break. It's like a reset, and they're going to come out with the second half of Marvel movies and whatever phases they have, and people are going to be excited for it. Yes, indeed, and. They think the big blow for the theater industry this year was the move of the Bond movie, No Time to Die. That got pushed back over the weekend. Now it's going back into April of 2021. So I think that's the death blow for the movies this year because, I mean, there's nothing really on the calendar still I think it's going to stay there. I think everything else will go back in 2021 after that. I, I think in terms of, like, the both international and domestic box office, the James Bond move is, is really hurtful as well as on the Marvel movies moving. Um, I think this is also a death blow for anyone wanting to see Daniel Craig continue their role. There's absolutely no shot. And I do, it's, it's going to be such a huge time difference between when this movie was filmed and then when it's going to come out. How are they going to remind people what happened in the previous Daniel Craig James Bond movies to get them into No Time to Die? Because there is a little bit of continuity that goes between all the stories and Daniel Craig's James Bond character. It's going to be really hard to get the audience as excited as it would have been this summer, this year, because people already amped up for it, but now you got to wait a whole nother year. Not everyone's going to be like me and want to rewatch all the Daniel Craig James Bond movies again for a third time to get ready from 2021. Yes, that's definitely true. And I mean, I've looked at the calendar. There's really like nothing there. I mean, like there's two, I think from, I think from Paramount, like Wonder Woman 1984, I think it's going to get off of Christmas soon. I think Doom will get off of the early December slot too. I mean, if you have a big budget blockbuster, especially when you have like case starting to go up again, like I don't see how you're going to be risking that to keep to basically hope you break even internationally. I don't think it's a strong strategy for those studios. No, the only movie that I will drive more than an hour to see in theaters this year will be Dune. I am so excited for Dune, beyond excited. That's the only movie that I will drive an inordinate amount of time to go and see. And I hope that, like, I hope that kind of comes out, like, the last week of December. And it's like, hey, here's an exciting new thing. We're going to turn the calendar onto a new year. Some optimism for the new year, because God knows no year can be worse than 2020. Uh, and then also a new year for the movie industry with kind of Dune being that little prologue to a great uh, kind of redemption story 2021. That is my fantasy world, optimistic point of view. But I don't know if that's going to happen. Let's be real, it's probably not, but that's what I wish. Yeah, I mean, I think Dune's the only one I could see. Maybe they put it back in the Wonder Woman Christmas slot and then push Wonder Woman into next summer. That would be my guess on that. But, like, I think they're all going out. I think this is going to be very hard for their movie theater to stay open on just on basically Tenet. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I mean, movie theaters are going to be really tricky. And here, here's what I think is going to happen with movie theaters, Mike, is I think they're going to be um, a lot like going to the golf course. Now, give me a second to explain this. When you go to a golf course, you can go to a public one where you can pay 20 bucks. you get the cart, you go out there and you play. You know it's not the greatest course, but you're outside, you're still playing, you're enjoying it, but you know it's not the best experience in the world, right? Or you can go to a golf course where you pay an inordinate amount of money, 
but it's a ridiculously nice course. You get all the amenities. It's top-notch. It is out-of-this-world good experience, whether you play well or not. I think that's kind of what's going to happen in the movie theater industry, where you're going to have like the low level where everyone goes, you understand it's not going to be top-notch, or you can have the really high level where you know you're going to get top dog, but it's going to cost you a pretty penny. I think the middle road of like the traditional Regal, Lowe's, Bowtie cinemas is going gonna, gonna to have a really hard time surviving that middle ground. Yeah, because like obviously the high end you talk about is like your Alamo draft houses or like your AMC theaters. You have like the recliners and the dine-in stuff, like make it a ex- true experience. Opposed to, or like the cheap matinee, you get your tickets for like five for like five bucks. It's not the easiest thing in the world. Not the idea of the fourteen fifteen dollar movie ticket is not going to last as as long in this world, especially where the entertainment dollar competition be very tight. Yeah, exactly. I think it's going to be either hey, you pay ten bucks and you're going to get a. I mean, uh, a C average production where the seats might not recline, the, the screen might not be lined up to the to the projector right, uh, the lighting might be a little off, the sound may not match up, or you pay the, the $40 and you go to a ridiculously great theater, you get the recline, you get some food, and it's just going to cost you more. I really think that's what we're going for. I don't like it, but I think that's what's going to happen. I think that's also an interesting parallel for sports, too. I think sports have a similar problem. They're going to have to cut their prices to get people back in the building once fans are allowed. Yeah, but if you cut the prices, then you're not going to be able to spend as much on the amenities and the stuff like that. I think it's going to be a tough thing for people to realize and a tough thing for people to adjust to, but I think it's going to be the reality. I don't know it for sure. I'm not a business person. I don't know, but that's just the thoughts running through my head. Yeah, I think also the thing that's interesting here with all this, with all these movies that did not come out in the theater format this year, what do you think happens with the Oscars next year? Because like they basically had three months of normal movies and then – Basically, Netflix releases Tenet and a couple of other, like, here or there. Yeah, I, I mean, they extended the the month in terms of, like, move that can qualify uh, to, for another two months. I think, though, I think this year it's really, there's a chance that the movie industry, the Oscars, will, like, honor the indie darlings that go to, like, the to the local film festivals that have, like, the live streaming events where you, know, you can rent it for 48 hours and you have to watch it in a certain amount of time. That's what I would like to see happen because I want I want to know what movies are coming out that not everyone's hearing about that I need to go out and search for. But what I think is going to happen with the Oscars, I think that they're going to really hammer home the big, the biggest, most popular movies just get people to watch the show and to remind people that movies are still happening and that they still have a cultural impact. So I think what like what we've seen in terms of like the little indie darling parasite becoming an international success like last year, I don't think there's any shot for that this year. So you think Teddy might actually get some get some award play? I think it'll get some award play. I'm sure it'll get special effects. Let's be real. I'm sure it'll get some audio mixing and stuff like that because, he, like, listen, I haven't seen the movie, but from visually what I've heard, it's stunning. Audio, I've heard, it's spectacular. Like, I that I guess it's going to get some award play. But it's also going to be one of the few big box office, big budget movies that comes out that the majority of people have seen. So I think they have to put it in there. Yeah, that's true. And for as bad as 2020 has been for the movies, 2021, assuming we get a vaccine, and right now the timetable basically would have it that, like, if it gets approved in November or like December, like, by the end of, like, April, March, April, you'll get it distributed to most of the population. Mike's By next summer, you could have a very loaded summer movie season. That could be a lot of fun if you like the movies. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of good movies. I think there's a ton of good movies coming out next year. Like, there's movies I'm excited for. Some of them indie darlings. Some of them, like, big 
that's be like there are some big budget movies I'm actually excited to see. Like for instance, one I'm super excited to see the new Top Gun, which is coming out next summer. I'm very excited to see Uncharted with Tom Holland coming out next summer if that doesn't get delayed again. And but then there's some like indie darlings next year I'm really excited for, like Antlers, I'm super stoked for. The last duel I'm really excited for. And at the end of next year we got Halloween Kills, we got Batman, we got Mission Impossible. We got Eternal. That's closing out 2021. Just some of the movies that are franchise tentpoles that people, everyone knows the name. So I think 2021, as long as things kind of go with the slow pace of everything heading toward that year, there's a shot there's going to be a lot of trips to the movies. Yeah, like, my thing is, like, for me, it's like once I get, like, a vaccine, I feel good about it, and, like, I get told, okay, I'm safe to go, like, I'd be going to the movies again. It's just a matter of, like, right now, it's like, I'm not taking the roll in the dice on just Tenet. I can wait for Tenet. Exactly. I, I'm very much with you. And it's like, I, I want these movies to come to streaming services so I can watch them. I really, I can't pay $20 for a rental. I can't do it. I can't pay $30 to watch Mulan early. Like, I have no desire to do that. So, it's, we, we just got to wait. We got to be patient. And we got to fill our time with Netflix, Amazon Prime, HBO Max. There's a ton of streaming services now. There's no excuse to not be watching movies. You just have to adjust what you're watching. Yeah, indeed. You adjusted what you're watching. I know you've watched a lot of movies the last like a couple of months, rewatching things as well for for your uh, new. I think your new little project here, where you're basically going back and re-rating movies and certain things. What are some of the ones you've been really uh, caught by so far? Uh, and yeah, so it's the big project that I accomplished recently. It's um, I updated the, the social media website Letterbox, which is a basically a movie database and I put all the movies from my Excel sheet onto this website so they're all there and the thing with this website that I love Mike is that it tracks rewatches so if I re like I just rewatched Silent Hill I watched it back when I was in high school and I was like alright this movie definitely has changed or like maybe my opinion of it has changed so I was able to mark it down the date I rewatched it and then it logged my date from back when I watched it in high school my initial rating and then the new rating from the other day so I, I found a new invigoration in rewatching movies, which has been really exciting because I think you know that I was maybe a first watching movies because I couldn't add them to the list, but this new website gives me that chance. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of fun. I, I look at some, you, you told show me some of the ones you've been rewatching. I also, you mentioned Bond before. Going back to Casino Royale must have been interesting. Casino Royale, I, I, it, I have grown this take and I now am ready to stand by. I think Casino Royale is a better movie than, than Skyfall. I think it is the best Daniel Craig James Bond movie. I love Skyfall. I still love Skyfall. But Casino Royale, that movie, it just hits different. It's so different from every other James Bond movie in all the best ways. It has incredible writing and acting. I Casino Royale is in my top three Bonds of all time. It's now my number one Daniel Craig Bond. Wow, that's impressive, because I know when Skyfall came out, everybody's talking about, oh, Skyfall's different, Skyfall's amazing, Skyfall's the best Bond ever, and you're saying, no, Casino Royale's better. I think Casino Royale is better, and Skyfall is great. Do not get me wrong. It's still easily top, maybe top five Bond for me, maybe top three. But Casino Royale, I, there's, it, it, it's different. It, it really hits different. The writing is so good. Um, and, and they set the tone immediately with the parkour scene. It's, just, it's all different. Mike and I encourage anyone to go rewatch it. Yeah, it's definitely one I will plan to rewatch. Also, you've you've been on a bit of a Batman kick, not necessarily like the the mainstay movies. A lot of like the animated, like sort of like like feature length. 
Yeah, because I, let's be honest, Batman Day was a couple weeks ago, I think, and HBO Max sent out an email that, hey, it's Batman Day. Rewatch the Batman movie. And I'll be honest, Batman's one of my favorite comic book characters. I've watched almost every movie he's ever been in, so I went on a path to rewatch all the animated movies that I could because I think when I first watched them, I was very harsh uh, in grading them because like, the idea of an adult animation movie maybe didn't register well in my head. Um, and now some of them... I improved the grade on my rewatch. Some of them, uh, they still still kind of being not that great. But I think there's an appreciation for them. And what I've learned, especially with the animated versions of Batman, is that the more the story's about Bruce Wayne and less about the Batman character, I think the movie's better. Uh, so, for instance, like Batman The Dark Knight Returns Part 1 is one of the best Batman movies I've ever seen, whether it be real life or whether it be animated. So that, that's kind of what I've learned in going to rewatch these old Batman movies. Yeah, I definitely gotta agree with that take. I mean, I felt like for a while, like the best, like like the one of the more intriguing Batman movies I'd seen was like actually the Lego Batman movie. I felt they had a fun take on the character of Batman and like his story on post. Some sometimes they felt they make him way too brooding, and I feel like that one had a little heart. I think that also helped out. Yeah, I liked that movie a lot. The only the only Lego movie I didn't like was the uh, the Ninjas one. Yeah, that was the only one I always uh, was. Genuinely bad. Yeah, for sure. And are you excited for the new the new Batman, the one that they're doing with uh, Robert Pattinson? Let me that trailer. Ooh, I had goosebumps. That is a great trailer, and the fact they put that trailer together uh, with only thirty percent of the movie filmed makes me even more excited. It is dark, it is brooding, and I love it. But it's not it's not like a comic book brooding like Zack Snyder. It's a different type of brooding. So I am excited when he turns around and says, "I am engine." I mean, like, uh, I paused it, and I was like, goosebumps. So I, I, I'm very, very excited for it. I'm very confused why Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne to make you a little goth. But listen, I'm into it. The movie looks kind of have that vibe, so I'm, I'm all in. Yeah, I mean, we could use a different take on Batman, because I think we could, most people agree that Batfleck did not work, so I think Bat, Pattinson's Batman could be interesting. I, you know what? I somewhat disagree. I think Ben Affleck was fine as Batman. I really don't. I really don't mind it. I thought. I thought he was fine. I think he is a better Batman than Henry Cavill is a Superman. Yeah, that I agree with. I think Superman has not been a great job out of Cavill here. I know they talk about recasting him potentially, so it's not that it wouldn't be shocked happens. Cavill, Henry Cavill is funny. He's witty. He has that sense of humor and timing, and the Superman character doesn't allow him to do that. It's just. It takes away his charisma. His only charisma in Superman is big muscles. Like, no, let the man talk. He's got he's got a good smile. I just I don't I don't like I don't love the handsome couple Superman. I will say that I, I've they, I'm going down the movie queue. I did get to Shazam. I will say they nailed that casting. Zachary Lee was great. He was great. Who cares how, how weird his suit looks and how buffy is? It was a great movie. I yeah. laughed. It was good. I was, yeah, like, that was one of the funniest DC movies I've ever seen, too, because, like, I was dying laughing most of that movie, and, like, I mean, that, that did a very good job with that character. I think it's by far the funniest DC movie. I'm not sure if there's either, if there's, like, another option. Yeah. I was excited. I was, I came with Lost of Taste, like, okay, it's a Shazam, you know, like, it's whatever, and I came, I'm like, I actually really enjoyed it. I was shocked by that. Yeah, I, listen, I'm excited for the sequel now, like, I... He's going to match up with Black Adam eventually, I believe, like Rock. So, I mean, you got the charisma of the Rock. You got the charisma of the same character in that first movie. Hopefully, they kind of they meld those two things together whenever Black Adam if it comes out in 2021. Yeah. So, I, I'm, I like Shazam. Yeah, and they did a good job nailing all the uh, child all the uh, child actors. They all, they all were pretty good. 
Yeah, and again, the movie, it didn't take itself too seriously, and it, it played to that well. So, I, And the ending, I really didn't see coming. The ending genuinely surprised me. And I didn't watch Shazam right away either. I wasn't spoiled to it, thankfully. But like the ending, like genuinely, like them all getting like souped up, and I was like, oh, crap, I had no idea this was actually going to happen. Yeah. So it, it, it surprised me. Yeah, it did. It definitely did surprise me. I I'm supposed to be getting, I think, Aquaman soon, so I'm intrigued. I know that I've heard that that was much better than the than his depiction in uh, Justice League was. Uh, yeah, Aquaman. I think I don't consider it a phenomenal movie, but again, I think it knew what it was. Much like Shazam, I just don't think it's as good as Shazam. But I, it was a. I reviewed it much better than Justice League, Suicide Squad, or Super or Man of Steel. Yeah, that's for sure, and. You always do this on the podcast. We're gonna. I want to talk about what you're streaming because I know we're gonna talk about the Mandalorian down the line. But like, what's the thing you've been streaming in the in the uh, past couple months? Uh, let's see. Some movies that have stuck out have been. I finally watched Perks of Being a Wallflower, uh, which I think that came out in 2012. And I don't know how I haven't seen this movie earlier. It was incredibly sad and incredibly moving. Um, the Devil All the Time was a recent movie that came out on Netflix with Tom Holland, and a, a great cast. Uh, which was a really dark, slow burn, but very, very good. Um, the best documentary I've seen recently was Class Action Park, which came out HBO Max, which was uh, very funny and it's enlightening to the fact of how reckless it was in the 80s uh, when, it, when the park was open. Um, and then in terms of TV shows, Mike, there's a show that is one of the most invigorating shows I've seen in this year, for sure, maybe years. It is the docu-series on HBO, The Vow. Have you heard of The Vow? I've heard of it. I've not got a chance to check it out. The Vow is crazy, Mike. It is bonkers. It's a legend sex cult, sex cult with the crazy leader, Keith Richards, up and all that. It is bonkers. Like, I, I went into this going, all right, I like cult stuff. I like a docu-series. HBO does good. And then immediately, two episodes in, I'm going, this is incredible. I texted my girlfriend. She's watching it now with her mom every single week. I'm trying to get as many people watching The Vow as possible because it is one of the best docuseries I've seen since, like, The Jinx. It is remarkable. Oh, wow. That's definitely better than I was expecting, so I'll definitely give that a look. I mean, I have uh, some stuff coming up here I want to keep an eye on. No, also, for sure, I mentioned this with Sandra Rose a couple weeks ago. She, she wanted me to ask you because I know you're most excited the Bachelorette's coming back. Uh, yes, the Bachelorette's coming back. You, are, you betcha. Uh, listen, the cast came out the other day and me and my girlfriend we went through she's new to the bachelorette and the bachelor universe i am easing her into it so we went through all the candidates for for claire and for Tasha, Claisha, if you will so we ranked them and we went through their files and stuff like that so we got a general vibe for what's going to happen in the season so there's going to be drama when Tasha comes in and when claire leaves we don't know what's going to happen but i'm very excited to have some perfect mind-numbing monday night television i am so excited to turn my brain off and just yell at the tv yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting for sure. Like, I think, like, I'm not a big Bachelor guy. I mean, Bachelor, Bachelorette guy. Like, I've, I've been just been binging all the game shows. I'm always a game show junkie. So, like, right now, I feel like I'm in Nirvana with every, like, it's like a game show on every night somewhere. There is a game show on every night. There is for sure. Actually, this actually came up. I was talking with the other day. Uh, the game shows I'm watching now are British TV game shows. Yeah, like, which ones are you watching? So, I'm watching, uh, there's eight out of ten cats that count down. Uh, which I love. There's a regular countdown, which I love. There's uh, Would I Lie to You, as I believe the name of another one. There's like these British TV shows where there's, it's like there's a premise and like, you, hey, you guess the words or like you tell the story, but it's really just comedians 
on a stage together. They banter for 45 minutes, half hour with a post. And then there's some sort of scoring system which no one really paid attention to. And it, it's just hilarious. I wish all American TV was unedited like British TV so they let comedians go off on these crazy little tangents. It's phenomenal. So those are, those are the things I'm falling asleep to at night. I've been more on the American game shows of late. I mean, like I've I've been watching like ABC. Like I watched them usually in the summer. Now they put them on like to just buy time till their scripted stuff comes back. So I've checked out some of those. I'm excited. I think for their Sunday night block coming up, where they have I think like Millionaire with Kimmel. They have the Supermarket Sweep reboot. I think they have like Card Sharks coming back on Sunday nights. That's going to be fun. Everyone tell me to watch Supermarket Sweep, the oh. old version that came out. I think on Netflix, and then the new version. I'm just like, oh, like, you got gotcha. you. You gotta check it out. I mean, as of right now, this is not officially announced yet. But when the premiere comes out, I think Sam and Rose and I are recapping it on the podcast that week. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I you that that's all for you. You guys can all watch it. Oh, I saw the play. I can start streaming stuff. I'm streaming Avatar. Yeah, how far into it are you? I am on book two, about halfway through. Oh, so you're uh, are you are you at, you're about you're getting to like the boss sing sang or say arc. Uh, I, I think so. I just had the, the Tuco alone episode and Tope is now part of the gang. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's good. It, it, it's good. Um, I, yeah, it, it's good. I just, I think my girlfriend like loves it. She's all about it. Um, I think there are some episodes where I'm just like, that wasn't very good, but like, uh, the blind bandit was an incredible episode of television, regardless if it's a Nickelodeon TV show. It was amazing. So, uh, the, the show as a whole, though, I am very much enjoying it. Yeah, Zuko alone was one of the most underrated episodes of that show. It, like, it gave that character a whole new dimension. I mean, that that whole entire episode was based off of this every single Western movie of all time. Like, Pale Rider comes in with a takes down the honchos, is taken in by the town, and then has to defend the town even though he doesn't want to, and then finds his true self, and then rides off into the sun to hopefully fulfill his destiny. That is every single classic American Western tale, and they they pull it in that episode. Yeah, in terms of stuff I'm streaming too. I mean, obviously, I'm looking forward to Haunting of Bly Manor in a couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to the Return of the Unsolved Mysteries Part Two. I think one thing I actually did get into Peacock. I had check out their. They gave a British show called Departure. Have you ever heard of this? I have not. I have not dabbled, in it, but I've had I've had a couple of people watch AP Bio on Peacock. Yeah, the new season AP Bio is there. Departure basically is this British is this British show. It's basically like a conspiracy show about like a plane crash that happens, and they're investigating the crash. And then it's like a whole conspiracy angle about who brought the plane down and why. There's one survivor. I can't tell if it's good or bad, but it's like got me intrigued. So I'm along for the ride at this point. I do think it's an interesting watch. Hey, listen, if you're along for the ride, that's all that matters. Um, but yes, yeah, the, the haunting of, of Bly Manor. Super excited for that. Yeah. You know I need my scary movie fix in 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 uh, October. That's gonna be a great TV show to watch. Um, and yes, I'm with you there for sure. And the Mandalorian is coming out on October 30th. Yes, we we're gonna do a lot of Mandalorian. I think we're gonna go episode by episode on that. Ho- hopefully, we can. I'm gonna get you on. Hopefully, around the premiere, we'll see how the schedule works out. But the trailer dropped. I came back. I'm like, boy, I'm not ready for this yet. This is just looks so good. Yeah, the trailer dropped. It kind of hit the vibe that everyone liked. Uh, I had the comedic timing of Baby Yoda closing his hat, which I think even made my mom chuckle. Um, and it had, for me, I was very excited at the end. They had the, the little thing of the music, the classic music at the end, too. So it's still going to have that Western vibe. But the, the thing that really stood out in the trailer for me, Mike, is they had uh, Mando on a boat. 
which I don't remember seeing a lot of in the Star Wars universe, which is another kind of thing of just the Mandalorian taking that extra step and expanding the universe on like an old, an old trading boat, like an old fishing boat. So I'm excited to see what that kind of thing is going to be. But the trailer got me hyped. I'm all in. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think about it. I mean, like, apart from, like, Attack of the Clones, I can't really think of, like, a water planet, but, like, being involved in Star Wars, let alone just an actual ocean scene. No, and I think maybe if Skywalker Daisy, like, takes the boat into, like, the Death Star area, like, just go get whatever nice, whatever that movie did, I don't remember exactly. <laughs> but, like, it's, like there, there are some scenes here and there, but uh, that, that seems like a chance, like, the setting for an episode on that boat, which I would really like if they did, like, a bubble episode of, like, isolated on the water. Very, I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah, I like what they did last year where they basically dropped, basically had him just traveling on episode here, episode there. It sounds like they're mostly they're going to do the same style, which I like and hope and intrigue because reportedly they're bringing in some characters from Star Wars lore. Like, I think, like, Ahsoka Tano, I know I'm probably butchering the name, but like, she's supposed to be coming in a live action version. There's rumors Boba Fett might pop up. I'm intrigued to see how they handle all these things. But the only thing is, don't. Don't make it obvious. Don't make that the stamp of the episode. Make it subtle. Have them only come in for like four or five minutes, like just at the table. Don't center a whole episode around it. Like, let the Mandalorian, let Baby Yoda, let the characters from the original show still carry the weight of the story, the weight of the episode. That's all I ask. You could give give the little, uh, give the fans what they want, a little bit of a taste, but don't overload it. Hey, I trust them. I, Favreau knows what he's doing. I trust them a lot more than like people like taking the movies right now. I listen. I agree with you. What, 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 I have earned their trust. I'm just expressing my concern, but that doesn't mean I think it's going to happen. But I'm just expressing my concern. Yeah, it's a fair to put that concern out there, John. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, how can people follow you on social media? Keep up what you're doing over at Stanko Stance. Yeah, you can follow me on social media at, at jstanko99 uh, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You just search my name. Uh, yeah, I mean, watch a ton of movies. You can also follow follow me on Letterbox. There's a new plug for you, Mike. Uh, on Letterbox, I'll just search Stanko 99 there, too. All right, that sounds good. Thanks again, John. Thank you, Mike. All right, and that will do for the second half of this week's two-part show here. I want to thank our guest, first up, Chris Russo, not the Mad Dog, for calling in to do week number five NFL picks. And, of course, our resident movie critic, John Stanko, for a wonderfully fun conversation about the movies. If you want more stuff like this podcast, including my instant reaction to the Jets' disastrous loss to the Broncos last Thursday, and, boy, I just got to tell you, Christopher Johnson, he's the only one who knows how low the Jets can go. That's a concerning sign for Jet fans. You want my thoughts on it, check out the blog over justendthesuffering.wordpress.com. As I mentioned at the top of the show, you can check out the first half of our week of podcasting when we spoke to Baseball Digest editor Rick Cerrone earlier in the week about the MLB postseason. A lot of fun stuff going on in that conversation. Be sure to check that episode out as well. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all those great podcatchers out there and more. Simply search for Just End the Suffering on your favorite podcatcher. You can get all our episodes there. Feel free of your feedback and star ratings as well. That make this podcast game better going forward. You can also follow my YouTube channel, Mike Phillips on YouTube, our individual conversations with Chris and John, along with the conversation with Rick, and in all other podcast conversations will be on the YouTube channel. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. Tweet me if you want to keep the conversation going. Coming up next on the podcast, we have some more MLB playoffs at the baseball beat. Another two-part episode, week six picks will be coming, and more. Until then, I hope you have a better week than the Giants fans. Magic Sunday.
This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.